everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer. And as you know, we talk about all things wellness on this show. Lately, we've been talking about physical wellness, mental and emotional wellness. Um, We're even talking about digital wellness. And today, we've got a really exciting topic that I am really curious and excited for you guys to dive into, and that is relationship wellness. And not only that, we have a very, very special guest coming on the show today to talk to you all about that. An executive coach, business consultant, life strategist, keynote speaker, and best-selling author, Monique Zanz loves to help people, help successful entrepreneurs tap into their greatness and develop a mindset of ownership, awareness, compassion, and service. She has a master's in spiritual psychology, is a certified master of NLP or neuro-linguistic programming, and her mission on the planet is to end self-inflicted suffering so people can be love and spread love. She is the co-founder of MOLO, a nonprofit that employs a global movement to spread love on the planet by highlighting thought leaders and incubating other nonprofits. She has also partnered with her husband of 18 years in janandmonica.com, an online platform to support people in having healthy and loving relationships. They live in Los Angeles with their three kids and two dogs. And I have been so blessed to know Monica over the past seven or so years, but really feels like a lifetime. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know that I've said, you know, I've welcomed friends onto this show before, but Monica is so, so much more than just a friend. I'm blessed to have her in my life as a friend, sister, family member, mentor, spiritual guide, all of the things. And I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her today. So thank you so much, Monica, for coming on the show. Woo! All the things. I love all the things. Yes. Yes. That's part of what makes a great relationship is all the things, the good things, the messy bits, the amazing parts, the hard parts. Getting through all the parts, I love it. So I've, I've loved traversing this universe and this dimension with you, and we have many more adventures ahead of us. Oh, we sure do. And yeah, you have been there through it all with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel like I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why it feels like a lifetime, not just a few years. That's right. Well, like I said, I'm really excited to talk about relationships and relational well-being on today's episode because so many people when they think of health and well-being they really just think of nutrition and fitness and taking care of their physical body but you know we know there are so many more layers to being well and having a really vibrant quality of life and healthy relationships are such an integral part of that so i'd love to kick it off with you sharing just a little bit giving people a little bit of context into how unhealthy and unfulfilling relationships can impact their well-being. Okay. Well, let me back up before I share how unhealthy and unfulfilled relationships can impact that. And, and let me go to, I met my husband when I was 18 years old at UCLA. And when I met him, my ideal scene and my vision of what relationship was, was based on my family of origin. My family was chock full of a lot of love, a lot of family holidays spent together, but your relative level of dysfunction in relationships working and not working, people staying together when they shouldn't have stayed together, thinking that they were doing the right thing. Like People are challenged by so many of the things that are societal norms and rules and things that people should follow that as a young child, I watched my parents navigate marriage and it was challenging for them. And so my young viewpoint was marriage and love is challenging and you have to work really, really, really hard to make it work. So my life was chock full of a lot of hard experiences and when I would get through them successfully, I'd think that meant I was successful and that meant I had good, lasting, strong relationships. But as I got older and older, I realized that because I wore the experience of hard makes a good relationship, if a relationship was too easy, I'd inevitably do something to mess it up. Mm -hmm. And if a relationship was really, really hard, I'd feel like I was on the right track. But what I found was a bunch of people who I was in relationship with hard relationships would leave the relationship because it was too hard. And I would never understand that and be heartbroken. So I found myself 
longing to find perfection in order to settle on relationship. So when Jan came into my life, it took me 10 years to figure out that he was the one that I wanted to spend my life with. I had five years of bliss with him and then in and out and in and out of our relationship once we graduated from college because I was looking for perfection and there were many things that I judged about him and myself that were wrong. So in order to really understand how to have positive and powerful relationships, not only do we have to look at our past and say, what are the things that I made decisions about that then ultimately might have become limiting beliefs about relationship in general, but I also have to take a look at not just my personal relationships, like with family and intimate people and friends, but I need to look at my relationship to things in general, mm-hmm. like my relationship to money, my relationship to success, my relationship to time, my relationship to work, my relationship to impact, my relationship to suffering and pain. If I don't look at my relationship to things, then I don't know what I'm actually basing how I'm connecting to things or people on. And without that connection, it's very, very hard to know where I begin and where I end and where the people or things I'm relating to begin and end. And when you get really enmeshed inside of relationships to things, it's very hard to discern the lessons that I'm learning, the things that I want to do differently. And it can be very confusing and it can be very challenging and we can do what I call collapsing a whole bunch of misunderstood thoughts and belief systems into our relationships in general. So what was the moment for you, if it, if it was a moment or maybe it was over a period of time, where you really woke up to that knowing that you needed to take a d- deeper look at your relationship to people and things and how you were relating to all areas of your life? Well, I would say that there were many moments like that in my life where, <clears throat> you know, being raised by a very strict German father, I had a lot of ideas about what being a good daughter, being a good student, being a good person, like there was a lot of black and white and right and wrong. And so I felt like my judgment system, how I saw the world was right or wrong. And so I would judge people as right or wrong in their actions, as right or wrong in their beliefs, as right and wrong in their relationships. And it kept me either connected to them because if they were right, I did everything that I could in my power to love them and be part of what they were doing. And if they were wrong, I tried to do everything I could to teach them they were wrong so that they could be better. Hmm. So when I met Jan, (laughs) I had no idea that that's the context that I built relationships from. And he didn't love it. You know, he was raised by parents who were very loved, very in love, and he had an idyllic experience of what marriage and love and relationship looked like. And when he'd get into a relationship that he would think, okay, I'm the boyfriend and she's the girlfriend, we're working towards marriage. Like the minute it was boyfriend, girlfriend, he thought that was how you discern marriage. And I was like, no, 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 no. I need to get to know whether you can handle me. And there's a lot to handle here. So I'm going to test the crap out of you and see if you can actually last the test of time and the tests. And so everything that I did was test if you would reject me, test if you would leave me, test if I would hurt you, test if you would hurt me, test, 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 which I guess to a certain degree I felt very tested growing up as well. And so I just paid that forward into my relationship with Jan. And it wasn't until I took a transformational personal development seminar where I started realizing how much I had been putting all of the tests I had felt I was given onto others. And it was a very cathartic, very big wake-up call and very um, confusing because all of a sudden I saw, like, how could anybody have ever liked me? I was awful to them. I tested them all the time. And my test was, if you love me, you pass the test. And if you don't love me, then you fail the test or I fail the test. And so I had love intermix mixed with testing. And it's like two things that definitely didn't belong together. I had them meshed together. So there was a big awakening, like, oh my gosh, I've done it wrong my whole life. Now 
Am I ever going to be forgiven? And how do I start doing it right? And the first thing that I remember happening is when I came out of that program and I came home to Jan, he said, like, are we still together? Are we still married? Do you still want to be with me? Are you still the Monica that I know? Like, who is this person that all of a sudden, for the first time ever in our relationship of 10 years, is owning their side of what has been going on instead of trying to fix me? And so I would say that's the biggest transition point. The moment I began to see my role in every relationship I ever had, that was the beginning of the healing. It was also the beginning of massive amounts of pain because I had to come to terms with how awful I judged myself to be. But it was definitely the beginning of a massive shift in his and my relationship, a massive shift in honesty about who I was and my insecurities. And because I could start owning that stuff, he could start being his own person because I had all the work to do on me now instead of my work being work on others. Mm. That's a really great um, point as well. And I feel like that's something that I've experienced come up a lot with friends and um, clients when they're in a romantic relationship and one of the two people in the, in the relationship goes through a massive period of transformation or personal growth and development, whether it's, um, you know, accelerated by going to a seminar or working with a coach or something like that. How do you balance in a relationship when one person is going through a massive transformation and the other person is trying to receive this new version of that person? I actually get this question a ton from a lot of my clients and from people that have ever gone to any of my workshops or done anything with me. They ask that question, like, how do I do, if I'm doing the work, how do I deal with a partner or someone who isn't at my level, isn't at my speed or isn't doing the work that I'm doing or doesn't even see that the work that I'm doing is important? Yeah. What I say is the work is never theirs to do. That's part of the cathartic awareness and awakening that I had. The work is yours. If they aren't doing the work, that's a reflection inside of you. Where are you not doing work? Because so often the outside external circumstances are simply a mirror reflection of what we are unwilling to look at or deal with inside of ourselves. Mm. And so when it's shown to us externally, it's very easy to misinterpret it and say, oh, that's their problem. But if we look first within, which is what I learned to do, it's like if anything out there is happening, the first place I look is not what do I need to do to fix them, change them, or see them as different, what do I need to do inside of myself? They're showing something probably about me that I've either overcome or I'm about to start working on. So if someone is not quote unquote at my level, then where am I in judgment of something inside of myself? And if I can do the healing inside, then they don't have to play the role of testing me or teaching me that anymore. And they simply adjust and shift. That's typically what I find. And if they don't, if there really is a barrier to their willingness to shift or, you know, alter the way that they interact or engage with me, and I feel like the lessons that they're here to teach me are complete, then my work is to potentially grieve the loss and completion of a relationship, but also have the courage and the tenacity and determination and surrender to say, I'm complete with this relationship. It's taught me everything I need to learn. Hmm. And I mean, would you say that ideally a, a healthy relationship has both people wanting to do the work and, and commit to growing together? Um, I don't know if I would say it as such a blanket statement like that. What I would say is if you are willing to grow and learn and it's something that you are excited, hungry, or seeking, and your partner is unwilling to grow and learn, and you've then done work around their unwillingness to grow and learn, and you continue to grow and learn yourself, and then at certain points say, you know, in order for us to really keep moving forward together, I really at least need you to consider, you know, when I took that personal development course, I asked Jan to take that course too, after me. And he's like, you know, I don't know that I'm really down for this. I don't know if this is really my thing. But if you feel like it's going to enhance us, then I will do it because I want, I want to be 
a person that's open to considering new things. For years of our relationship, he was not that person. But I think because I, he saw me being willing to do the work, and he also saw the benefit he got from me growing and shifting, he saw that there, most likely it wouldn't hurt him. So by doing it that way, he, he went, he did the program, and now we had a similar language we could speak about things, even if our perspectives were still different and unique. Because I, my intention, once I learned what I was doing, was not to keep trying to change people into perfect little Monica robots. I wanted to be with Jan. I wanted to fully understand who he was and how he ticked and how he worked and what he wanted and how he loved and why he loved that way. And if I kept wanting him to be the man I was trying to make him into, I was never going to get the gifts that he had to give me. So I think that that's the key is, are they willing to consider what you're up to? And are they willing to be open to exploration and discovering and the adventure of learning themselves? If the answer to that over time is no, then to me, and what my experience has been is, it's time to complete the relationship so that you can get into a relationship with someone who at least recognizes the benefit of growth and curiosity and discovery. But if they're not willing, if they're set in their ways and they're so committed to being set in their ways, and you're in a growth phase and an inquiry and a discovery moment, you're just not aligned. There's not attunement inside of the relationship it doesn't mean the relationship is bad or wrong. It just means you're at a different walk of life, a different season of life. And, you know, do you want to keep banging your head against someone who's unwilling or unprepared to do that work on themselves? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the important question you have to ask yourself. Yeah. I mean, it took 10 years for me to be willing to be with someone who wasn't really that open to becoming open. So I feel like 10 years was a lot of patience for him to arrive at a place inside of himself. And it was not until the time that I was waking up and doing my own work that I realized, oh my gosh, it's my duty and my honor and my reverence of this relationship to respect when he's ready to do the work. It's just, am I willing to wait? You know, how much longer am I willing to wait for him to really see the true essence of me? Because I felt like when he's not doing his work, how can he see the work I'm doing on me? Right. Absolutely. And so what are some other, in your mind, what are some other sort of cornerstones of what makes a healthy relationship? And are those things personal to you? Or do you think there are some sort of universal truths that, that lay the foundation for healthy relationships? Um, yeah, I would definitely say there's both. Um, I think that We'll start with the universal truth. So number one is a longing to discover something new about each other every day. Mm. Because if you assume that you know your partner deeply and intimately, then you won't be curious about who they're becoming. And you'll get very habitual, complacent, and routine in your relationship. And for me, when you are no longer interesting to someone, you no longer seek to get to know new things about them. And consequently, you can get very comfortable in relationships. So the art of discovery and the willingness to be in discovery mode, both personally and in relationship, I think is very, very important. I think that there's a cliche that we say about a universal truth, which is trusting your partner. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to that is understanding and defining. Trust is a huge word and a huge concept. And I think a lot of people have very big discrepancies in their definition of what that is. So the first step is define what trust is for you annually, if not monthly. Like, what does trust mean to you? What does trust feel like? What does trust look like? How do you trust someone? How do you operate inside of trust of yourself? And when you've defined that, then sharing that with your partner and asking them what are their definitions of it. And in general, I guess I would also add definitions of things are really, really important because when we know someone, we often jump to the assumption that what we know about them is also their definition of things, or we assume that they hold the same definition of things that we do. And 
I mean, I can tell you on numerous occasions, Jan and I once held similar definition and then a life occurrence, a travel, a trip, a new friendship, a new program we took, a new lesson that we learned, a new book that we read and our definition changes. And if we weren't in constant discovery with each other, we'd assume that the old definition holds and then we'd go through certain circumstances in our marriage or in our life or raising our children or coaching people. And if our definition changed, we wouldn't get the benefit of this new exploration and expression of the new definition. So defining what trust is, operating from trust and getting in alignment with your partner about what you need to feel like you can trust yourself and them and what they need to feel trusted and to trust you. And then really exploring what are my definitions of things and, and cross-checking my definition with my partner or my, my friend or my family member's definition so that at least I know that if I'm not on the same page as them, I can hold reverence for where they're at. I can hold compassion or uh, curiosity around where they're at instead of I'm judging them as being wrong because they're different than me and now we're at odds. We're out of alignment. Mm. So it sounds like open communication is definitely one of those universal truths that is sort of a, a prerequisite to any healthy relationship. Like you have to be able to have these open dialogues about things that evolve as your relationships evolve. Yeah. And I would even add open and open communication, like openness, period. If I had not been open to doing the program, our marriage would have ended. If I had not been open to being to being willing to see that I was so right about everything and consequently people around me were wrong, I wouldn't have necessarily lasted in my marriage. If I had not taken ownership and been open to you know, being shown new ways and different ways of thinking than my own, I don't think that I would be in the marriage that I'm in. So open communication absolutely and openness in general as a as a function of you know open in trust open agreements open to suggestion open to discovery so open is a big one and then agreements is another one i think it's a universal like very 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 important having agreements with people so that the message sent is the message heard or that you've collaborated in a way where you don't make assumptions about what you believe that other people should believe too, that you really cross check. Like, are we on the same page on this? This is the page I feel I'm on. Can you reflect to me what you just heard me say? Is this the page that I'm hearing you're on? Does that sound accurate for you? Like really having your partner be heard instead of, you know, we, we often engage in defensiveness and reaction. Um, there's an amazing man who studied relationships for the last 40 years and he and his wife have an institute. Um, his name is John Gottman and he talks about the four horsemen and these are the four things he says absolutely destroy any relationship. And one is defensiveness. One is stonewalling, which means you don't consider ever the other partner's um, way of seeing the world. You are very, very committed and staunch about the way that you see things. And then I'm looking up real quick. Um, the other two, um, uh, criticism is another one. Um, let's see, hold on. Want to make sure that I get it right. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about, you know, not just those positive, empowering qualities that we want to bring to relationships, but those things to look out for as well. Like, when am I stepping too much into a space of defensiveness? When am I being too critical? And, and how can I observe those qualities as well as the empowering ones that I want to bring more of in? Exactly. So, um, Contempt is the fourth one. So you've got criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. So in criticism, it's always looking for what someone else is doing wrong, which is part of not taking ownership. Because if you're looking outward, there's three fingers pointing back at you. So when you criticize someone else, there's probably something inside of that that's a mirror for you that you need to be looking at first. Defensiveness is, I don't want to take ownership. I'm going to deny or defend myself against what I feel like I'm attacked. I feel like I'm not being understood. And all the solution to that is clarification, just asking enough questions, asking open-ended questions, 
not assuming that they should know you or you know them, but really getting into curiosity. Contempt is having energy against. So I want to make sure you pay for what you've done to me. I want to hurt you in some way. It's a very against and very reactive expression. And then stonewalling is silence. Like I turn my back on you because I'm unwilling to consider how valuable that you've come from underneath everything you're doing a loving place. And you just close the door on any possibility for something to shift. So I felt like when I was early in my marriage and early in my relationship with Jan, when I didn't get my way, I was defensive, I was critical, and often if he didn't see it my way, I'd, I'd stonewall him. I'd say, you obviously don't get it, and I'd turn my back on the situation. And basically what I'm doing is turning my back on the relationship, because if you close the door, there's no opportunity for any growth. And if there's no growth, there's no opportunity for the loving to keep coming in to be able to foster what you've done. How much do you feel like those four things are sort of conditioned defense mechanisms built around past hurts and past relationships and, and probably to a large extent, you know, childhood conditioning and, and your relationship with your parents or their relationship with each other? I think that we are beings of habit. And I think that in order for our civilization as a whole to shift, we have to understand that our past is access to healing as opposed to our past is access to reflecting on all the things that are bad. Mm. And I think that our past is a really important um, map for the way that we navigate and negotiated and experience things. But I think that we often rely too heavily on the past for why we are the way we are, which keeps us the way we are. So my invitation to people and the things that I would like people to recognize is use your past as a milestone for what you've overcome. Use it as something to be proud of, something to triumph over rather than something to hold on to. Use it as a map for where you'd like to go and where you've come from, how far you've come and what you've had to traverse as your terrain as opposed to what keeps you defined as what you are. Because every day we wake up, we can redefine ourselves. When you go to sleep at night, it's an automatic reset. But if you wake up remembering yesterday and all the bad things that happened, then you relive yesterday. But that's not really what the intention, in my opinion, is. The intention is you have a wide open future that anything can happen in. What are you going to put forward to create that new future as opposed to hold on to from the past that will perpetuate a past? So, you know, it's like uh, there's a funny or a terminology in, in the spiritual work and the transformational work that I've done that says the key is to live every day right now recognizing what you've learned and what you've come from in your past and not filing your past in your future and constantly living into the past and being held hostage to the past you once were. It doesn't have to define you, but you have to powerfully choose that and you have to learn that you're choosing the past if your life still looks like what it used to look like. Hmm. I love that because it's such a, it's such a more empowering place to be, to stand in that, that choice of recognizing like, yes, these things may have happened in my life in the past and, and I can recognize when I'm feeling triggered by something. But at the end of the day, I have full ownership about the way that I react and the way that I show up and the choices that I'm making now. Yeah. I mean, even what you've been through in the last month and a half, for six years, you're dealing with this really big thing in your life. that's like the weight on your shoulders and all of a sudden, you know, you have an outcome to it that wasn't the outcome you expected. And for a little while, it sent you into this tailspin of feeling like everything I thought was going to happen and how this was going to play out didn't go that way. And because you had an idea of what could be, that's the past. And when it didn't go that way, it's like, okay, complete. It didn't go that way. Now what am I creating and what does that invite for me moving forward? But it took you a little while to get through the, oh my gosh, it didn't go my way. 
didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And, you know, the other thing about that is we then have remnants, memories kick up, things kick it up. Like, you know, you shared a little bit about someone else had a similar experience to you and the outcome of their result was very different than the outcome of yours. And you thought that's what my outcome should have been. But that the moment we have that experience of it should have been different than the way that it is, the past is what's running our experience. Mm, yeah. So how, how big of a role do you think expectations play in um, whether or not somebody feels happy and fulfilled in a relationship? Well, we say, Jan and I always say, expectations lead to disappointment. Mm-hmm. Because if you expect it to go some way, or you expect yourself to be able to do something in some way, and for some reason, either internally to you or externally to you, that you really had very little say about, thwarts that opportunity to get to where your expectation wanted to lead you, then where do you go from there? And unless you're really good at rolling with the punches, having a positive, optimistic outlook on life, that's where you're going to get critical of yourself, contemptful towards yourself, defensive towards life and yourself. And the minute the negativity comes in, you know, you have to pour in more optimism and more positivity. And if you're not surrounded by that, because so often people live inside of what's missing rather than what's available, it it can totally limit our ability to tap into happiness, experiences of joy, the willingness to allow ourselves to feel something elevated in our experience. So expectations are a very tricky, very slippery slope. And I would say expectations and assumptions, those two hand in hand, and then those tend to lead to taking things personally. And if you've ever read Don Miguel Ruiz, The Four Agreements, you know that those are some of the agreements that he says in Toltec wisdom and shamanic wisdom, the moment you put yourself in front of the opportunity to grow and change, your way is the way, you have closed the door on your spiritual evolution. And so to be able to overcome expectations or at least recognize when you're in them, to overcome taking things personally and at least see multiple sides of things. Jan and I have coined the experience and expression and we have an entire process that we guide people through, shifting your perspective because your perspective creates your reality. So if your perspective is negative, your reality often experienced is experienced as negative. If your perspective is, okay, I'm open to considering something new, then new things come to you and you manifest and you attract a lot of positivity to your life and and new possibilities. So I think it's a very big curse that, that we as a civilization and society put on ourselves when we hold expectations. So how would you say that you balance or differentiate between having life vision and dreams and goals versus like staunch expectations? Um, well, if I'm hearing you, you accurately, you're saying, how do you balance between? And I don't believe there's a balance. I believe- or how do you, yeah, differentiate rather like yeah. having a vision for your life or something that, you know, you're, you're really inspired about and excited yeah. about versus being really attached to a specific singular outcome. Okay. Got it. That's clear. So, um, I think a big word in all of our lives, if we could add it to our vocabulary, is discernment. So to be able to recognize the energy that's underneath the thoughts and experiences that we hold inside of ourselves. So if it feels good, it's probably a goal. It's probably something that's pulling you towards it. And if it feels exciting to go after it, it's probably going to manifest easier. It's probably going to promote you. It's probably going to support you. And if it feels bad, heavy, yucky, if it feels like a lot of work and it feels like you're digging your heels in and there's resistance, then it's probably more of an expectation or something that you feel obligated to do. And what I invite people to do is to really ask yourself, is this the way I want to go about creating things in my life? And if the answer is no, then you have a shift of perspective. Okay, great. The answer is no. Well, then what can I do differently? And now they may not have the tool themselves, but I guarantee they can find someone in the world, an author, a YouTube, a TED Talk, some sort of format 
where they can learn from someone or maybe even a friend, a loved one, a family member, a coworker, a colleague, a cohort, someone who can really honor the question that they're in and to not rush through the questions that we have for ourselves, but really be inside of the inquiry like, oh, wow, I really don't like doing things that make me feel negative and hard and challenged through them. Is there another way? And what could I practice to try to find other ways? Because if other people don't always suffer through doing things, there must be other ways. Like if that's proof in itself, like someone else did it easier than you, then there's proof somewhere on the planet that it's easier than the way that you're doing it. So your job is simply to find what would be easier for you. And I think that's the, the distinction. Are you willing to be discerning of what you are up to and how you're treating yourself as you're up to it? So that you can go after your dreams and your goals in a way that promotes and supports you rather than challenges you and holds you down. Because we put challenges in our way sometimes to feel like we're successful because we've overcome. Hmm. But what if it didn't always have to be that way? What if what you went through, you went through and you came out on the other side like I had no expectation. Like whatever way it went, I knew it was going to serve me. If that's really, truly, deeply, deeply, deeply how you went through it, then you wouldn't have suffered after what happened. Hmm. Yeah, that is really powerful. You spoke earlier about, you know, things in life, um, events and, and experiences that can change your definitions and reframe your perspectives. And I know you're on the heels now of coming back from a really transformative trip and experience in Peru. So I'd love for you to share, how did your time in Peru impact your life and your perspectives and your definitions and the way that you approach your relationships now? Awesome. Thank you for asking. So <clears throat> I, I feel like in life we're given opportunities to recognize things as transformational moments, wake up moments in our life. As a matter of fact, I even have a podcast called Wake Up because I'm so committed to learning from people what were their wake up moments so other people can recognize their own moments as opportunities for growth rather than a challenge or a curse. So Peru for me was one of those wake up transformational moments that I didn't know it would be that for sure, but I had hoped that it would. Like I was like very open to it being that kind of a trip. And what I've come to and how I've altered my life now moving forward is I have been a victim to time. I have believed that my time is not mine and that because I'm a coach and because I've dedicated my life to serving people that I need to humble myself and give my time away. And what that's cost me is feeling centered. It's cost me feeling grounded. It's cost me feeling connected to what I'm dedicated to and therefore the expansiveness of what I have to give and serve from. And it's limited my ability to receive what will fill my bucket so I can be even better at giving things away. So while I was on the trip, I really recognized and was part of multiple ceremonies and experiences in the Peruvian culture in general with Peruvian people and through the ceremonial aspect and ritual aspect of things of honoring and being given to from Mother Earth and from God or from the universe, like from spirit, like what am I actually receiving that I think so much of my life I just have taken for granted because there's no ritual or sacredness around it. Hmm. I've definitely had and practiced gratitude my whole life. I know that's a big healing component to why I've gone through life and had many, many blessings, but I didn't realize the level to which one could actually really recognize and honor and show reverence for mother earth. So since I've been back, it's been two weeks and I, schedule my time around what my heart is asking for. So that means that I have to listen to my heart and attune within myself way more often than I may have been doing before. And then I have to ask myself, is what I'm putting value on today valuable for me? 
And not just me like selfish me, but me so I can serve better because I serve people every day of my life. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a coach, I'm a spiritual counselor. Like I really help people navigate and negotiate deep, powerful, profound experiences and cathartic experiences in their life. So I take that with very deep, um, um, like I hold that very, very honorably. I, I see that as a very big privilege as well as a very big responsibility. And when I'm not honoring my time and I'm not loving myself to the, to the degree and I'm not receiving from Mother Earth and thanking Mother Earth and thanking Spirit and turning to God and, and praying and, and having those experiences at the level that I can, at the level that I can become aware of, and as a constant unfolding and peeling back the layers to do so, then I'm, I'm selling myself short. And it became very, very apparent to me how much I had been doing that. Like I would feel guilty having a lunch with someone thinking I should be working. I should be doing what I need to do so that I can take better care of my family so I can be a better coach. I should spend every single second, you know, learning new things as it came from that harsh, you have to do it um, kind of unrelenting. And on the outside, it may look like success, like I'm getting shit done. But on the inside, what it felt like is I was always behind. I would wake up constantly with anxiety and panic. I wouldn't know where it was coming from because my life is not that hard, but I would put so much pressure on myself. So I've lifted the veil of how important everything I have to get done is. And now I'm more in like sacred surrender is the way that I will describe it. And, you know, I'll pause between sessions. I'm not, ses I'm not scheduling sessions back to back to back to back. I would have five hours in a row with no break in between. And I'd literally have to say to a client, like, I'll be there in three minutes. I have to go quickly pee. And it was ridiculous. And then I'd feel bad that I was three minutes late to the, it was like, I was so mean to myself and didn't realize I was doing that to myself. I felt like what I was doing is expanding my container so that I could handle it all. And I was really depleting myself. So now what I'm working on is really being in service to me, in service to what I need. If I need space to really honor, how do I ask for that space from the universe? How do I ask for that space from my clients? How do I, how do I set better, stronger boundaries? so that I can be in greater service, so I can be more present when I'm engaged in something. And I guess where it came from the most, Megan, is when I would spend downtime in between the things we were doing in Peru, and I was just sitting and watching the fire. I was just sitting on a bench and watching the bumblebees pollinate the flowers. And I wasn't in a hurry to get to the next event or next activity, and it was like, oh my gosh, I actually enjoy sitting here. And in the past, it would be like, okay, I've done enough of this. I need to get to the next thing. And I didn't realize how much it was costing me. So the relationship I now have to time and the relationship that that's then afforded me to people and to my relationships is unrecognizable prior to Peru. I feel like that is such a powerful lesson for, for probably so many people listening because it can seem like, especially in our Western culture, that you have to do more. You have to always be adding more to your plate and trying harder and working faster, stronger, longer to, you know, fill in the blank, have better career, finances, family life, all of that. But truly, especially from your experience, it's in the surrender and in the compassion to yourself and the slowing down that you become a better coach and a better mother and a better wife and a better friend and all the above. Mm. And it can seem so counterintuitive, I'm sure, to people who are so used to that type A, go, go, go mentality. But what a beautiful gift that, you know, two weeks of your life in Peru has now changed the rest of your life and the way you operate forever. And it's that possible. I mean, we have moments in our life where when we wake up to something and we really implement it and use it for our highest good, that it serves mankind. I really believe that. Hmm. 
So one thing that I want to uh, talk about and share with the people listening, if they're looking for something like that, looking for a catalyst to, to change their definitions and shift their perspectives, is your relationship course with Jan. Can you share a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah, so super cute, super funny. So Jan and I, you know, I've been a public speaker and an author and a coach for a good part of 20 years. And my husband was always the guy behind the scenes. So he'd be setting up the camera and the mic and recording me for one of my speeches, or he'd be there as a spectator supporting me, or he'd walk through and I'd practice my speech and my presentation with him. And he was just always the guy relentlessly behind the scenes. And people would come up to us at events and say, I want what you guys have. I love what you guys have. How do you do it? How do you work together and not get into each other's hair? How do you, how do you navigate through all of this? Your relationship's so amazing. Your relationship's so amazing. And ultimately what happened is 10 years ago, I did a master's in spiritual psychology. And three years ago, he did the master's in spiritual psychology that I did. So now we both had this master's in spiritual psychology and I'd had a vision early, early on in my life where I saw myself on a stage with a man speaking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I always held that vision, but never knew who that man was going to be. And like always wondered, like, when am I going to be on that stage? And that man is going to appear. And when he got his, his master's and he started saying, I really want to work with people and coach people, we started being on stages and talking together. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're the guy. You're the <laughs> one seen in the vision. I didn't know that you'd be the one because that wasn't his path. He was the software engineer and developer guy like that. That wasn't his path. So that was a breath of real awareness and fresh air. And as a result of that, we really listened to our audience and said, you know what? If people want to know how we do what we do, Let's create a program that people can walk through on their own accord. It's an online e-course where you just pay and play. You participate, you register for the program, and you take however long you want to take. It's over 70 videos. It's 10 modules. It's communication. It's understanding different realms of how you relate to your partnership. It deals with those four horsemen. It deals with how to navigate and negotiate not just your intimate relationship, but also relationships in general. Like I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, relationship to money, relationship to success, relationship to self, relationship to love, relationship to our past. So it really touches on different things and it gives tools and resources and success stories and breakdown stories and really shares the story of our life and then gives resources on how to really negotiate and navigate some of those things we were talking about, that trust, that open communication, making agreements. And it was such a hoot to do it together. It was so much fun to do it because it had us, you know, deepen our even relationship because we got to reflect on so many moments in our marriage where it could have all fallen apart and ended. And how we lasted the test of time, navigated and negotiated, makeups and breakups to be able to have three beautiful children and a beautiful thriving marriage. It will be 19 years in August. And it's just a testament to willingness to keep going, willingness to do the work, willingness to discover each other anew each day, willingness to go after what our dreams were and support each other independently and together and have reverence for what we've been through to be able to create relationship together. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing that you guys have created that because you truly do have such an incredible relationship to to share with people how a marriage and a partnership evolves over time, having been together, been married nearly 19 years and together, what, like 20 something, 20 plus? 26 years. 26 years. That is truly such a testament to how you can make a relationship work as each person individually and the relationship itself changes and evolves and grows over time and through those challenging points how you move through them and how you really embrace the positive beautiful wonderful times as well and even just from like an outside spectator knowing you guys these past seven years it it is truly one of those relationships that you look at and go wow I want to learn from those people like they're doing something right yeah, thank you very much. I mean, I appreciate the reflection and 
that's part of my hope is to remind you what you're worthy of, remind you of what you get to have, remind you that it's possible, remind you that it's not always like, oh, love at first sight and everything works out perfectly and we never don't get along and it's all easy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that to me is not the representation of beautiful relationship. Relationship is working through things together or separately and coming together afterwards to enhance what we bring individually and make a beautiful step forward into the planet as a representation, as a role model, and as a gift to each other. Hmm. So if people want to experience that, if they want to experience your relationship course or just follow you, learn more about you in general, work with you, where can they find you? The best thing to do is go to Jan, J-A-N and Monica. And my name is spelled with a K, janandmonica.com. And when you go there, you can see we have schedule a consultation where we do a free consultation to see if we're the right fit for you. We also work with a team of coaches. So we have a sliding scale and a group of people that can support people in their growth and relationships, business, mindset, life. And then there's a tab inside of our website that's the relationship program. And you can go there and check out. There's some videos and we do uh, relationship 911 in YouTube. So you can get little tidbits and tips and there's lots of ways to engage with us and find out more and, and enhance whatever relationship you're working on. Amazing. Okay. And I will link that information in the show notes. So for people listening, make sure you go and check out their website, um, follow them on social media and YouTube, all the things, both Jan and Monica and both of them together offer such incredible tips and guidance and insight and quotes to inspire you. Um, so I highly recommend following them. So one last thing I love to ask everybody, um, since this is a show all about wellness, is you know, besides all of the, the wonderful advice and things we've talked about today so far, what is one other wellness habit or practice that you swear by and can't live without? Um, clearing and cleansing your space. So uh, being the spiritual psychologist that I am, I go into a lot of spaces where there's a lot of dark energy, other people's energy, things that are unseen that impact our happiness, our joy, our stability, our balance, our neutrality. So get yourself some sage, get yourself some Palo Santo, which is a stick of wood, get yourself some Epsom salt, a little rubbing alcohol, and clear your spaces. It may sound woo-woo, it may sound weird. Put crystals in your space. Do whatever brings you joy and gives you the feeling that you're grounded because there's so much energy that walks in and out every doorway that we walk in. And if you know that you feel like your space is neutral and your own safe, sacred space, the chances are that you'll nest there, you'll listen to yourself better there, you'll love yourself more there, you'll be willing to see yourself more there, you'll be willing to take ownership. So clear your space so that you can have the space. Mm, amen to that. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> I feel like there's about a million more hours of things that we could talk about. So we will just have to do this again for sure. But thank you so much for coming on today. I think you, you shared some really valuable stuff that people are definitely going to benefit from hearing. And it's so, so good chatting with you. You know, I love you dearly. I'm here for you always. And it's my pleasure to share my wisdom and my experiences and hope that it supports someone through something they're going through. I love you too. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who is listening in today. And as always, have a happy and healthy day. Until next time. 